Fans of Sing Second, this is John Schofield, your host of the Sing Second podcast. Your total coverage of what's going on at the Naval Academy, the Naval Academy Alumni Association and Foundation, and a little discussion of sports here and there. Joining me, as always, my partner in crime, my fellow Orioles apologist, Chris Cervello from the great class of 99. Chris, let's start it off. Let's just kind of freestyle it here for a second. I literally cannot watch baseball. I can't. I can't. Like, yeah, there are Phillies fans in the office here, and they're all talking about how the Phils beat the Diamondbacks in game one. And I am still a mental midget. I can't even can't even concentrate on what the cover of Shipmate is going to be uh, next month. Um, but, you know, ha- how is your coping going? You know, like what stage of grief are you at? Are you finally off the Shays Lounge? Because I'm definitely still on it. Yeah, I think I've moved on, John. As we were texting back and forth last night, super happy for Phillies fans and for Rangers fans as they're, you know, living the life that we had hoped to live. Uh, my good friend and classmate Nate Connor has been at all the Phillies games. And so, you know, really happy for him. And I, I don't know anybody that lives in Texas that likes baseball. So, but I'm sure there are Naval Academy alum that are uh, Rangers fans and, you, you know, are, are, are riding high. So I, I prepare, you know, I want to just look forward. I got a big win uh, from, uh, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about Roger Staubach and the the ceremonies that are going to happen this weekend. So got a big win from the Dallas Cowboys last night. So I'm, I'm feeling good, John. I'm, 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 I'm upbeat, ready for this podcast. You are back. Always buoyed by, you know, the, uh-huh. the clinical execution of Dak Prescott. I mean, <laughs> I just, I see Joe Montana. I mean, you want to talk about Roger Staubach. Zach <laughs> is just Roger 3.0, um, just executing, commanding, you know, how that whole thing goes. But yeah, you uh, you mentioned it. We'll talk at the end a little bit about the great things happening for the Cotton Bowl team coming back this weekend. It is a very, very busy weekend. But let's talk about the week and the weekend that was. First of all, um, how many times in your life, Chris Cervello, have you seen 20 punts in a football game? Because I did. <laughs> um, I rolled down to Charlotte uh, with the uh, with the engagement and communications leadership. Um, you know, we, we got on the road and had an absolutely amazing time down in Charlotte. I, I was looking at this through kind of... Yeah, negative Nelly glasses for a minute. Like, ah, we got to go to Charlotte. It's a two o'clock game. We'll see what happens. The team isn't necessarily a very good opponent. And I'll tell you what, this whole thing was fixed by so many alumni engagements. Um, I hope we have some new listeners this week. I spread the word about the pod, but nothing, you know, I know that you're a South Florida guy and and a NASCAR guy, Chris. One of the Uh things we did when we got down there, we have... An alumni RV chapter. And when I saw it on the paper, I was like, uh, is that like Richmond, Virginia? They're coming from Richmond to like, yeah, do a tailgate um, for the Charlotte game. And our engagement director was like, no, 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 no. That means recreational vehicle. Um, And so Friday night, we went out and did a little pregame tailgate at the Charlotte Raceway, Chris Cervello. Like I could just... 
I could hear, you know, the ghost left hand turns happening along the uh, the racetrack. But I'll tell you what, we had such a great time with all these, you know, 70s and 80s grads, about 20 of them who just drive their RVs around the country and they have their own chapter. They have like their elected officers. They have minutes um, and they have an amazing margarita machine. Um, so, yeah, um, I don't I don't know where you are, like, you know, in terms of you know getting your own RV chapter going, Chris. But I mean, that was by far so far the most unique chapter visit I've had with alums so far. First of all, it's Charlotte Motor Speedway, but but sure, um, whatever. <laughs> I just want to make sure you know we keep it keep it factual here on the podcast. I have seen the RV group do uh, write ups in the back of sh- uh, Shipmate, and I will say that it is intriguing. Um, it's quite a lifestyle. We we know people that are nomads and you know are are in their uh, you know late twenties, early thirties, and travel around and just enjoy that lifestyle. So why wouldn't alumni um, you know do the same thing? So uh, I have yet to encounter that group, um, but I'm looking forward to uh, to meeting uh, folks from that group. And who, who knows, maybe someday uh, I'll be a member of the uh, RV alumni group. I mean, it's something Ooh. to aspire to. Yeah, and you, you got to do some research. Um, I mean, some <laughs> of these dudes' RVs, they were telling us, they're, they're like $300,000, yeah. like, no, is don't a whole thing. I don't doubt it. Yeah, so uh, so some great conversations there. Some really, really motivated alumni. I got to do a shout out to my boy Hoot. That was his actual Hoot. name, Chris Cervello. Oh. Hoot. Hoot from the class of 1976, a fellow SWO. We got after it, had some margaritas, super duper fun. <laughs> and as always, engaging with the alums is amazing. Um, later on that night, we had a really nice foundation dinner um, with some some great donors, the Meads. Um, you know, at the, at the Charlotte city club, which was amazing. Uh, Dean Costaldo and his team from the foundation did a great job and, uh, engaging some of the grads, uh, that were there who have given back so generously to, uh, to the Academy that the Meads, not grads, just the parents of, uh, of mids and grads, you know, in, incredibly generous people and, um, you know, had a great time with them. Um, the next day, Chris, we had close to 600 people, by some estimates, um, at the Charlotte tailgate. I mean, it was wild. We had sponsors, um, the, the parents group and the, uh, and the chapter uh, both came together, used my USNA as the vehicle, and put on an amazing tailgate. Uh, you know, a lot of a, a good mixture of grads, families, parents, um, recent alums, a lot of 07 guys. I met a couple of dudes who had not seen each other since the cap toss uh, when they graduated in 2007 and they were roommates. So to be a part of like watching that reunion take place, um, you know, with the motivation and, and execution of the Charlotte chapter was just incredible. I have to shout it out to Chris Nichols, who's uh, who runs the Charlotte chapter. He's class of '91, and Juliana West, um, who is the head of the Parents Club. Uh, they they just they kicked ass, Chris. I, I can't even begin to tell you. I've been to some amazing tailgate experiences. Few outside of Army Navy, right? Have ever really been like noteworthy for me. 
Um, but this this was a special weekend and really opened my eyes to how great alumni are out there in terms of organization and execution, particularly in and around a tailgate. Yeah, I think sometimes we're a little spoiled, you know, because we have the benefit of experiencing, you know, the home Navy tailgate uh, atmosphere. And so we kind of forget that when the Naval Academy goes on the road, how big a deal it is for folks, you know, for them to, um, whether it's uh, to meet with other grads, like you talked about, or to bring their community members together. I mean, it really does, um, it does culminate in, in a spectacular event, you know, that you saw in Charlotte. I remember seeing this when I was a mid and would travel to away games. And then, you, you know, in the years since I've graduated, have gone to a few away games. And uh, it, it is a really cool time that does make you think, like you said, it, it, it makes you feel like you're at Army Navy or you're right there at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. So I'm really glad you got to experience that in Charlotte and disappointed uh, I, I didn't get a chance to uh, get up there. Yeah, well, the uh, the next road game uh, will be uh, Temple. Shout it out to you, Colin Schofield, up there on Broad Street. Um, so, yeah, when we're done um, with Air Force this weekend, and we'll cover that in the out, a uh, little off weekend for the for the boys before they travel up to the link and take on Temple. Um, a little perfect storm possibly on the horizon in Philly, Chris Cervello, with if the World Series, if the Phillies make the World Series and it goes to seven games, that weekend that we play Temple would involve a home Flyers game against the LA Kings, a Phillies World Series game, a home Sixers game, a Temple game, and then I think there's a concert in the round there too. So, uh, so Philly will be, uh, it'll be like Annapolis was a couple of weekends ago and we have like boat show and Orioles games and stuff like that. So, um, I will stop yapping, but it was a great weekend. Um, I'll turn it over to you since I know that, uh, you and the football podcast boys kind of broke down the Charlotte game before we go to break and just your, your take on, a pretty interesting game, a lot of punts, a whole lot of little offense. And, you know, I talked to, uh, to Mama Laba Tai uh, at the end of the game, got a great picture of her and, uh, and her son Ty. Um, you know, he hurt his ribs a little bit, yeah. you know, but he seemed really overjoyed and happy. And, and who knows? I don't know if the future involves him or, or the freshman Braxton, but what were your, what were your uh, evaluations of that little contest down well, a win is a win is a win. Um, not the best football uh. game. Yeah, not the best football game to watch. Um, you know, disappointed to see Ty have to work through more adversity. Um, Braxton came in and finished the game. Um, you, you know, a lot of learning for him uh, as he tries to figure out his, his role. I mean, there were some really good highlights. I mean, when he got into the open field, I mean, he really uh, showed, um, you, you know, the speed and the the quickness that I think the coaches are are looking for. Um, I think he's got a lot of work to do on, on the on the option. Um, huge BZ to the defense for, um, you, you know, really stepping up and making it so that we could could win that game. I'll try to be glass half full. I mean, again, a win is a win. I, I hope that they were able to put in a good week getting ready for Air Force. I mean, it's going to take a lot more effort, I think, from all three components, offense, defense, and special teams, to be able to show up for Air Force. But 
you know, we, we tend to get up for these service academy games. And so I'm sure they'll take the good and learn from the bad and, you know, be ready when uh, Air Force comes calling this weekend. Well, let's hope that the result this weekend is a little bit better than what we had in all of the star matches. So if you listen to the last podcast and apologies in the last podcast as my volume was a little jacked up, my microphone was under my shirt. Um, but I've solved that because this is, again, the smart list of Alumni Association podcast. We are we are throwing technology and talent at the uh, problems and fixing them. Um, but I was really, really disheartened as we got on the road uh, this weekend, knowing that uh, men's soccer, women's soccer and cross country were all going to be taking on Army for the stars. I think I mentioned last time that the star series is off to a very, very rough start. Um, and it got rougher this weekend up in Chester. Men's soccer tied Army, uh, went ahead early. Army tied it in the 25th minute, and it stayed like that until the end. And so no star given, just a draw. Uh, definitely not what Coach Tim O'Donoghue wanted. Uh, women's soccer, unfortunately, in a driving rain, uh, dropped a 2-1 decision to Army, losing the star to them. And then surprisingly, uh, you know, although Emily boots Booten um, you know, had an individual medalist uh, placing women's cross country, lost the star to Army. Uh, hats off to men's cross country for making sure that the weekend wasn't a total loss. But, you know, here we are, the star series kind of nearing the latter stages of the uh, of the fall season. And Chris, it just it is definitely not the same as the last couple of years. Yeah, um, kind of surprising. Um, but I mean, you, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of uh, up and down. I mean, this is a close series between Army and um, I mean, kudos to uh, to Army West Point for uh, for coming out strong in the fall. Hopefully we'll uh, we'll do better in the in the winter and the spring. But uh, yeah, it's uh, we're not off to the start that I had hoped for. I, I really thought that we would be a lock this weekend. I, I thought we had a chance of sweeping um, go, going into the weekend, but, um, you, you know, it wasn't to be now. And I know that they're disappointed and, and hopefully women's soccer, particularly as, as I'm a former O rep, I'm always going to be an apologist for them. Hopefully they can turn it around here and make the Patriot league tournament. Uh, there's just too much talent on there with Riddle, Graziano, Gallagher, um, you know, for them to not be playing in the postseason. So I know I'll be pulling for them. Um, awesome discussion, Chris, we're going to head to break. Uh, and when we come back, we have our two interviews this week. We're talking to uh, Director of Navy Rowing, Rob Friedrich, and we're also going to be talking to a recent graduate, uh, Nico West, um, you know, now a commissioned officer and a public affairs officer. Chris Cervello and I will run him through the public affairs officer quiz questions to see if he's actually earned his Navy PAO battle wings or whatever we can call a, uh, you know, a <laughs> device that we can wear in the future. Uh, but as we go to break, I just want to thank our sponsor, Pro ND Health in Annapolis. Many thanks to Scott Melamed and his team. For your executive skincare needs, please contact Pro ND Health in Annapolis. Awesome friends of the program, friends of Navy Sports, and friends of the pod. Um, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll have our interviews. This is Sing Second. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back on the Sphinx Second Podcast. Really, really happy to be joined by uh, head crew coach Rob Friedrich. He enters his 11th season as the head coach of the heavyweight 
and all the rowing teams um, in 2022, 2023, after serving at Navy in prior roles as both the heavyweight and the lightweight programs since 2001 and 2002. Um, Rob, first of all, you know, thank you for joining the Sing Second uh, podcast. And, and we wanted to talk about these shell dedications that had taken place a couple of weekends ago. A lot of reunion classes were coming in, 73, 83. We talked about how they rode their bikes in, but then they also had a pretty uh, a pretty awesome shell dedication um, over there at Hubbard Hall. Can Number one, can you just kind of introduce the listeners, um, you know, your role um, as the director of Navy Rowing and, um, and a little bit about the shell dedications that just took place? Sure, absolutely. Well, first, thanks for having me. Um, you know, it's great to be a part of the Navy community and I'm the director of rowing at the boathouse for all three of our rowing programs, uh, heavyweight men, lightweight men, and women. But I'm the head coach specifically for the heavyweight men. Um, I used to work with the lightweights, but we have separate coaches. Sean Bagnell for our, our lightweight team is the head coach. Joe Schlossberg is our women's head coach. And so we work together at the boathouse. And yeah, you know, first and foremost, um, we had a we had a very busy weekend last weekend with four shell dedications for rowing shell dedications and just from the get-go our navy rowing alumni is second to none i believe on the yard i mean we're celebrating we just celebrated 150th anniversary of rowing at the naval academy it was the first sport at navy or first intercollegiate sport and um, we have a kind of rich tradition of rowing at the academy three of our varsity boats went to the olympics once in 1920 once in 1952 once in 1960, and we've since then put many people on, you know, the national team and even onto the Olympic team. So our, our alumni are fantastic. Just their pride in the history, tradition of the program, obviously serving their country and giving back to our program, you know, financially and through support. Some some coach as TAD officers or company officers or teachers when they come back to the yard. And they've obviously been huge mentors for our athletes in the fleet. So our, our, our alumni are fantastic. And just to prove the point, for boat dedications, the, these shells cost upwards of $60,000 a piece. And uh, to have four boat dedications in one weekend was, was pretty unheard of. Um, but yeah, class of 73 specifically bought two boats on their 50th reunion, um, one for each of their men's coaches when they were rowing here at the academy so the heavyweight coach back then was carl ulrich kind of a famous coach in, in navy tradition um and he just passed away recently uh, and the, the lightweight coach back then they dedicated a boat for him colonel skip sweetser who also just happened to pass away recently and skip was um a member of our 1960 olympic crew when he was a, here as a heavyweight oarsman and then uh, you know, came back as a major in the Marine Corps uh, and coached our lightweight program, you know, in the early 70s. So just a great honor, to, you know, for us and our athletes to help the class of 73 dedicate, you know, those two shells in, in memory of their coaches. Um, class of 82, one year late, they, they, they actually bought the boat last year but we christened it this year, you know, for their 40th reunion, basically. And um, that was the first perpetual boat fund created by all three of our programs together, heavyweights, lightweights, and women. So what does that mean? That, that means 
we have a they created a fund a, a large fund that we could buy a boat and then in perpetuity you know in 10 years sell that boat and the fund will create enough money to buy a new one so there will be always be a class of 1982 in our boathouse at Hubbard Hall which is pretty fantastic and again it's first class with all three programs working together to make that happen so in our fourth boat dedication fourth boat dedication um was a 1993 lightweights one of our youngest classes to ever donate a shell to the boathouse and that was a very strong class of of lightweights not just how well they did on the water but in the classroom after the classroom in the fleet and the support that they've given to our lightweight program has been fantastic over the past 30 years so um very excited to kind of celebrate with them last weekend well, you, you mentioned two things, uh, Rob, that, that I really want to circle around um, or drill down on, and that is, you know, the, the, the success of these individuals as they go out into the fleet and, and serve as alumni. You know, you were mentioning the 82 class and, and all of the flag officers that came out of there and, you know, shoot at the, at the Ulrich dedication, you know, the, there was a 73 grad who I believe retired as a three-star admiral, um, you know, sort of eulogizing uh, Coach Ulrich and talking about the importance of the shell. From, from your experience now, you know, what, what is it about this program that churns out, you know, so many successful alumni, particularly these, you know, these 82 and, and uh, 73 um, sort of crew Illuminati who have gone off and do, done amazing things. Sure. Yeah, it's, I think rowing in general um, breeds a special type of person. Uh, not just someone who, you know, you have to be a team, they have to work as a team, as a group, you know, and obviously that translates straight into the fleet and leadership qualities. But also our, our athletes tend to be pretty smart. You know, most of our recruits are coming from, um, you know, good rowing programs. We're competing with the Ivy League school for recruits. So academically, we're on par with the, you know, the best student athletes in the country. You know, and I think the drive and determination, the hours that you put into rowing, I think helps these athletes succeed at the next level. So, yeah, like you said, we've, I think there was three admirals in the class of 82 that were here, including four-star John Richardson, who was the former chief of naval operations. Um, and, and that goes in all of our classes. It wasn't just the class of 82, but the leadership that, that we've seen have, you know, Chester Nimitz, five-star admiral, right? Um, fleet admiral was the stroke of the varsity boat in 1905. Um, Alan Shepard, we have a bunch of astronauts, Alan Shepard, Wendy Lawrence, Frank Culbertson, you know, it's just amazing to see our alumni do what they do. And, and they're very inspiring to not just the, the coaches, but to the athletes and the rest of our alumni in general. Yeah. For, for me, coach, the other thing that I found, you know, pretty, pretty amazing is that I just didn't know anything about, uh, Carl Rich. I, I, I knew the name. I saw it, you know, when, when the event was, you know, had first popped on the calendar. And then when I did the research, you know, the head coaching career here, you know, um, you know, preceded by a lot of, lot of time in the Ivy league. And then going from here 
to be an administrator and then going to be the AD at Army, you know, and, and ironically, he was the AD at Army when Jack Lengel was the AD at Navy. And Jack Lengel was one of those people there at the Shell dedication. You know, what an amazing time. To, I, I actually grabbed a photo of Jack Lengel and Chuck Gladchuck, you know, your last shoot 40 years of athletic directors in the history of the Naval Academy. So a pretty special moment. But then Carl Ulrich goes from being the Army AD to basically starting the Patriot League. You know, what was it like prior to his passing this past year? What was it like having access to such a luminary in, the, in really the sports world? Yeah, Carl was a special person for sure. You, you know, the, the thing that really stood out to me was, you know, not only how approachable he was, but just, he made you feel like the most important person in the room when he was talking to you. And he did his research and we would talk a lot about rowing, a lot about leadership. Uh, um, we had a lot in common, you know, the funny story at, at the boat dedication was we, we both grew up on Long Island and went to the same high school and then, you know, started coaching lightweights and then became the Navy heavyweight coach, you know? And so um, what he did after the Naval Academy, you know, as an administrator and then went to army as the athletic director, Patriot League, like you said, it's, just amazing. I mean, he was an amazing person. And if you, you know, heard the athletes that he coached in, in the 1970s here at the Naval Academy talk about him, I mean, you'd tear up just how important he was, you know, to their experience at the Academy, to their leadership, to becoming better men, better fathers, you know, after they graduated. Um, it was incredible. And he was an incredible person. And I'm so blessed to have known him. Chris? Hey, thanks. Um, so I, I would say just um, before we wrap this up, I mean, um, tell us a little bit about the team this year. Um, I mean, this isn't really a sports podcast anymore. We're talking um, uh, uh, largely about the alumni angle, but I think our alumni would like to know, you know, what, what the prospects are, how we're going to put those shells to good use and, you know, sort of your thoughts as you look uh, towards uh, the season. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, you know, our goal across the board at the boathouse is to win as many races as we as we can and be on you know the national level of, of of competing against everyone. You know, on the on the heavyweight side, we were just outside the top ten last year. Our goal is to break back into the top ten and make it the grand final at the national championship, the IRA. And we really believe we can do that. Absolutely, we have a great group of of mids working hard, probably putting in more mileage on the water and on the ergs than we ever have before. We've got a great plebe class that's going to help develop the, the squad for years to come. On our lightweight side, you know, coming off a national championship a few years ago, that's always their goal. And, and obviously they've got the athletes to do and back it up. Two of their athletes won the under 23 world championships this past summer. So, you know, so um, obviously um, it's exciting to see what they can do this year. And our women's team coming off uh, trying to repeat as Patriot League champions, um, they, they have a deep squad and they look even faster than last year. So we're, we're excited. And I think our alumni are excited to kind of where we stand. And, and, you know, the goal is always obviously to get faster and we have the best athletes that can really, you know, put the work together to make that happen. Well, coach, you mentioned the excited alumni. And as I let you go, if I can just ask if, if you're an alumnus out there, um, you know, whether a crew alumnus or, or otherwise, how, how can the alumni continue to support the crew program, 
continue to support you as you are a very instrumental part of, you know, the creating of these leaders of character and consequence to go out into the fleet and the Marine forces, the physical mission, you know, is central to that. How can, how can alumni give back and support the crew program? Yeah, just stay in communication with us. You know, we're, we do, I think, a very good job of trying to um, reach out to our alumni. We have with our alumni newsletters, emails that we send out. We have an annual banquet every February that hosts at least 250 people, usually sells out every year. We have some fantastic speakers from our alumni group. But, you know, the, the more you communicate, the more we we can hear from you. We can bring you in to speak to the team as far as leadership goes and talk about service, you know, beyond the academy. Um, I think that's always great for our athletes to hear about our successful officers that are in the Navy and the Marine Corps. Um, and, and then from there, get on our email list and and where we're, we're doing some fundraising still. We've got a lot of rowing shells. Um Recently, we're we're dedicating a few more in the next couple of years for Eric Christensen, class of 69, the class of 1974. Those are kind of coming up, but we need some general donations to help with all of our other needs, you know, uh, at the boathouse. So keep in communication with us. Go to GoNavyCrew.org, which is our alumni website, and uh, hopefully we can stay in touch with everybody and, and keep everyone together. Well, Coach, thank you so much for what you do, and please check out uh, the next issue of Wave Topped coming out on uh, Halloween, uh, which will feature you know a little photo spread and a little write up on uh, the the shell dedications that took place a couple of weekends ago. The photos I might have to say are just amazing. You know me out there with my iPhone and my zoom lens. You know friends, picture what Ansel Adams did for landscapes. You know that's what I was doing for the cruise shell dedications. But in all. In all seriousness, check it out. And thank you, Coach, so much for what you do for the Naval Academy and for the Naval Academy Alumni Association and Foundation. We can't wait to have you on again soon. Thanks for having me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Coach Rob Friedrich. We are going to go to break. When we come back, we have our young alumni feature. We're talking to Lieutenant Junior Grade Nico West, uh, just coming back from his deployment as a PAO. We're going to talk to him about deployed life and what being a recent graduate is all about. Recently married, back from deployment, how do you ha handle all that stuff? That and more when we're back from break. This is Swing Second. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back at Swing Second. Um, I have to tell you from a personal standpoint, this is an interview I've been really looking forward to. He is a return guest. Uh, to the pod. Let me do the whole like smartless mystery guest intro here for those who remember. Uh, played a little soccer, a little footy uh, back in the day when he was a midshipman at the Naval Academy. Had a pretty tough midshipman experience in that a majority of his substantive years at the uh, on the yard were colored by COVID um, and the very, very Dr. Myers-like coaching of Tim O'Donohue on the soccer team. Um, you know, it went into the EOD community after graduation, uh, decided that that just was not hardcore enough for him, eventually went into the public affairs community and is now just returning from his first deployment. Uh, really happy to welcome into the podcast public affairs officer Nico West. Nico, um, super happy that you're backstage from deployment. How are you doing today? Great. Well, John, thank you for having me, first and foremost. It's always great. 
um, coming on the podcast. Um, great for me talking about my uh, talking about my experiences, and it's always great to talk to people that care about the Naval Academy so much. Um, it's a great place. It brings back a lot of great memories for me, a lot of fun times. So I love being here. Thanks for having me on. So, Nico, as a refresher, you graduated in 20? 2021. 2021. So, ladies and gentlemen, he's, he's still just a, a young buck of a Lieutenant JG. Still doesn't have the railroad tracks on there. Went down, um, you know, after a very decorated and very storied career on the, uh, on the men's soccer team. Uh, goes down to EOD school, eventually transfers into public affairs. And now you just got back from deployment. Tell us about what happens, you know, on continuing promise and what your life was like, you know, as kind of an alone and unafraid public affairs officer in a, in a deployed environment. Um, it was great. Um, one thing, continuing promise is a very unique mission. It uh, focused around medical care in different countries. So we went to uh, Panama, uh, Santa Marta, Colombia. We went to Trinidad and Tobago and we went to Grenada. Um, and while we were there, um, our medical professionals, doctors, foremen, uh, worked alongside um, their country's medical professionals to provide medical care. And it was great. Um, I was the public affairs officer for this mission. And it was a great experience for me because it, was very, it wasn't very traditional. Um, got to go to these countries and it was really focused around public affairs, um, which was great. It was my first deployment ever. I got some salt on me now, uh, but it, I was a one of one public affairs officer there, had a team of two mass communication speciali specialists, and really just came up with the plans there, got the public affairs guidance from Fourth Fleet, took it and ran with it. Um, and it was a great experience. Had to be, it, it was very individual, uh, coming up with your own plans and figuring out what worked best, uh, communicating with the different audiences there. Um, and you might do great in one country, but then you've got to shift your focus to the next. And that's a totally different market. They use totally different uh, news outlets and social media outlets. So uh, making sure we, we got our messages to the right people. Um, it was challenging. It was a lot of work, but I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Well, you are the product of good public affairs training, as you say, getting the messages oh, the to best, the right people. The as, as we always tell people, the audience should be your very center of gravity and audiences and uh you know, down in that area of the world and uh, continuing promise are, are, like you said, very different audiences. So how do you think your experience as a Naval Academy grad, you know, particularly as an athlete, you know, someone who was led on the fields of friendly strife, but also been forced to lead in the hall, as you're out there kind of alone, just executing public affairs guidance, how prepared did you feel? And how did you overcome some of the you know, possible misgivings you had about something or the fears that you had about failure. Yeah, I, you know, I thought about that a lot throughout my deployment. Um, and your first deployment, it's always a little nerve wracking. You know, you get a lot of training. Um, you put yourself in a lot of situations to set yourself up for success. But you never know exactly how it's going to be. Um, so like on deployment, I thought about this all the time. Going to the academy, man, uh, facing adversity all the time. There wasn't a day at the Naval Academy where I didn't um, have some sort of challenge or at least some sort of assignment that I hadn't started on to the last minute that was due at midnight. So, and then there's people in the hall too, um, giving you a hard time. So just facing those challenges every day, uh, you had to deal with some type of adversity. Um, and I think that really set me up for success, you know, thinking on the fly, thinking fast, Hey, go to these different countries. Um, they don't have, they don't have the same things that we do. The social media outlets that they have, the radio broadcasts that they have, Figuring out, doing your research, figuring out what's popular there 
getting our messages out and, and just being able to overcome any humps um, or any adversity that you may face. Um, and on this mission, there was a lot, you know, it was a very fast paced mission. So being able to keep up with that. Um, and I look back and while I was like midway through the plan, I was like, man, thank God. Uh, I, I, I really feel like the Academy prepared me for this. Just anything that came my way, just maybe I hadn't received as much training as I liked to in it before. Uh, but I was able to think quick and on the fly and adjust and, and make the necessary corrections. Well, so it brings me to a very valuable point that we're trying to get across here at the Alumni Association. And that is, you know, what's the gouge? Um, you know, you, you, you survive in the hall for four years on, you know, getting the gouge. Hey, here's the professor to have for dirt. You know, here's, here's what you want to specialize in, you know, double E. Here's how you survive this particular period in time, the dark ages. If there are other junior officers out there or about to be commissioned uh, ensigns and second lieutenants, someone who's just gone through your first pump, your first operational significant deployment, um, you know, what advice would you have for other recent grads about, you know, what you just lived through? I would say always train. You know, it's easy to get caught up in the in the rut at the academy of like, oh, you know, I just have to get through this double E test and I'll be good. Life will be easy for me. Um, oh, I just got to get through uh, this PRT, life will be easy for me. And then graduation comes, and I think a lot of people think that my life is downhill from here. I made it. Uh, but but it's not. You know, you go, I thought the Naval Academy was would be the hardest that I'd ever worked in my life. And that was probably <laughs> the most wrong I've been in a long time. You get out there, you know, you're responsible for your team. Uh, you're responsible for the work that you have to do. Um, and you're responsible for keeping accountability for everyone that falls within your team. And that's a lot of work. And all the leadership classes that you take, all the lessons that you learn, all play a key role into that. Um, so don't get comfortable. Um, you know, always, you, you know, it's fine to go out on the weekends and have fun. That obviously that is the big part of the academy. And I definitely did a, a fair share of it in my time there. But um, just always keep in the back of your head that all the training there, it, it means something. It really does. Going out there and being able to lead the men and women of the fleet is a great opportunity that a lot of people wish that they had. Um, and, you know, I, I wouldn't take any of those trainings for granted. Just always stay ready. Well, one thing that a lot of people, what I found in my time in the fleet and, you know, during deployments and during workups is that you usually add junior sailors or even other junior officers in your wardroom that the part they really struggled with was the family aspect. Um, you know, as you're leading up to that first pump, the workup cycle and then the separation from a new spouse, you know, in addition to, to being a, an accomplished public affairs officer, you're also, you know, you're, you're also in a very young family, you and your wife, um, your wife, I, I believe, if I remember correctly, is a teacher down in the Norfolk area. You know, how did you, how did you manage that again, trying to turn it around and, and allowing you the voice to give advice to young grads out there might be struggling with, you know, balancing a family and balancing a first operational deployment on the horizon. How did you navigate? Yeah, it's 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 very difficult, um, you know, um, and it might seem easy in some people's eyes. But whenever you're going away for a significant amount of time, especially when you, you're recently married, um, it's difficult on them. My wife had to stay here uh, with a cat and a dog who aren't the easiest to get along with. And there's people out there that have kids. So I, I feel like my dog and cat are kids, too. But um, it could be a lot harder. Um, but, you know, me and my wife are very work driven. She's a teacher here in Virginia Beach. Um, she teaches at Green Run High School and she does a, a fantastic 
fantastic job. She, I, I call her the Tom Brady of teaching. Um, naturally, comes to her, and um, and I think she was born to teach. She was born to educate. Um, and myself too. Like this again, being my first deployment, uh, I wanted to be successful more than anything else. I wanted to work, um, and I wanted to come away with it knowing that I did a good job, and I put myself in the right situation to to do good work out there. Um, so me and my wife both understand that. Like we we work very hard. Um, and we come home and we spend a lot of time together. But at the end of the day, the military service is just one of those things that you sign up for. Um, and it, she understands that at any moment that you could be called out there. So just having that understanding, knowing and being able to be flexible with one another, be honest. You know, it's hard to give um, straightforward answers in the military a lot of times. I know, you know, my deployment changed, I think, like six different times before I, I stepped foot out the door. Um <laughs> But just being flexible, just giving them those answers that you can give and just knowing that, hey, like we're we want we both want to be successful. We both have a common jobs. Yeah, we do do very different things, um, but we understand each other. And I think that's that's the greatest lesson that anyone can learn is just having that understanding for each other. Uh, know that you both love each other very much. But, you know, hey, right now I'm working. I'm trying to accomplish this mission. And, but I'll be home soon. And so we know that. And uh, it works out great for us. We both have that mutual understanding. Oh, incredible advice out there, ladies and gentlemen. It's Nico. He, he can tell you how to, you know, how to advance the ball up the pitch and some marital advice on the side. Speaking of the pitch, you know, I know that you wanted to come back from deployment and, you know, see Navy uh, soccer pull out a star victory against Army up in Chester. Um, you know, it wasn't to be, and after an early goal, Army came back and tied it in the 25th minute, and it ends in a draw. You know, before I let you go, uh, what were your memories of, of your matchups against Army? What was your record against them, and what's your fondest memory uh, of your matchups against the Black Knights? Man, a lot of those guys on that team are better than I am, because I, I never did get a star, and as uh, a Naval Academy varsity athlete, that's like, uh, the most painful thing to admit, I have my uh, my letterman upstairs, and I was thinking about just going to Dollar General and getting the star and sewing it on there so I could come back to games and, and people respect me, right? Um, but, yeah, I was just talking about it the other day. I, I sat down and watched the game. Um, I saw David Jackson uh, score an amazing goal, and what a career that guy's had and all those guys out there. I still know a couple of them. Uh, but that game is a tough game, uh, especially playing – I said this on my last podcast. I'm just repeating myself, but – um, going into that stadium, playing there, it's a new environment. Both teams haven't really played there before. Um, and all the emotion that goes into the game. Uh, I could truly say that. Like, out of all the teams that we played, um, I hated Loyola and I hated Army. Those two are pretty close. Um, and, it, and at the end of the day, we respect each other, but nobody wants to win more than the players on that field. So it's a very tough game to compete in. A lot of uh, emotion gets involved in the play and it's hard to settle down and actually have, um, you know, a, a great match uh, when it comes to soccer specifics. But, you know, it it was a great game. Um, I've seen a lot of ties out of this matchup. Hopefully maybe you can get the star next year um, and I'll be watching. Hopefully I can make it to that game. Um, but you have to respect those guys and what they do um, year in and year out. It's a hard fought battle and um, my hat goes off to them. Well, Nico, before I even met you, um, I sat down for lunch with Coach O'Donohue of men's soccer, and you know we were just discussing um, you know our mutual love of the game, and you know the the fact I was doing a podcast about maybe sports, and he was a head coach, and 
all of a sudden your name came up and yeah, without flinching coach O'Donohue said one of the most special players I've ever coached basically saved my job here and that you're battling it out with long COVID probably it was affecting the way that you could play, but the difference that you made in the locker room and, and in supporting him and the rest of the coaching staff was not lost on him. And for me, that's the story I always love to tell about Naval Academy grads is that leading up or down the chain of command, Naval Academy grads are there for you. Um, Naval Academy midshipmen are there for you and they're worth your investment. They're worth your time. Um, you know, they are worth your support. Um, and, and Nico, I couldn't think of a better example of that than you. I know that Admiral Perry of the great class of 97 has got to be proud of you as the chief of information as I am proud of you. Um, you know, as someone who, who calls himself very, very, uh, very happy to mentor you. So thank you so much for coming on the pod. Welcome home from deployment. And please, as we're telling recent grads out there everywhere, please keep your alumni association and foundation in mind. Let us know how we can help you career-wise and otherwise uh, really engaging the recent grads, the people out there doing great work like you, Nico. That's one of our uh, main missions. So thank you so much for coming on the pod and we can't wait to have you back. Yeah, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure coming here. Uh, hopefully I can get back to Annapolis. We could sit down and have dinner sometime. Thank you so much. Oh, uh, thank you, uh, Nico West, class of 21, former soccer player, and most importantly, leading the Navy on the front lines, tip of the spear, Navy public affairs. Everyone knows that that's where the real Naval officers go. Uh, Nico, we will see you next time. We are going to go to break. When we come back, Chris Cervello and I will bring this baby out. This is the Sing Second Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Um, awesome talking to Nico West. Obviously, has his head on his shoulders and is already a successful PAO, just like Chris Cervello and I were back in the day when we were lieutenants. Everyone knew that the sky was the proverbial limit. Well, Chris, let's get into what's going on around here this weekend. A huge, huge weekend uh, for the Naval Academy. I just got off of the ops call with, uh, you know, with Rob Dunn from NAAA and all of the things happening around here this weekend. The Naps Battalion is down from Rhode Island, apparently at the football game with the Naps Battalion and a bunch of other people we're actually going to try to break the Guinness World Record for number of people doing push-ups simultaneously. Um, I didn't know that was a thing, and I really thought that it probably involved a bigger venue than Navy Marine Corps Stadium, but apparently that's happening. We have three uh, reunion classes rolling in, um, 08, 78, and 63. And Chris, I'll let you kind of introduce and talk about what's really special going on this weekend. Um, in and around the Cotton Bowl reunion and one of your heroes, Roger Stubbett. Yeah, so um, Roger's number 12 will be um, adorned to the field, similar to uh, the Joe Bellino number that is on the field. Um, so you'll now have two numbers um, on either side of the field to celebrate our two Navy Heisman Trophy winners. Um, Roger, uh, if you've ever heard him talk about the success of that 63 team, I mean, really humble and uh, really does view the Heisman as a team award. And uh, he, he even told us on the recent Navy football podcast that, you know, 
um, that team was so great that the Heisman committee felt like they had to give the trophy to somebody. They couldn't give it to the whole team. So they just picked the quarterback and that's how he got the Heisman. Now, if you, if you know anything about Roger Staubach, you know, there's a little bit more nuance there, but, uh, he, he is right. I mean, that was an amazing team and, uh, Admiral Tom Lynch, the captain of that team, um, will, uh, will kind of lead the, the group in celebrating Roger and, and celebrating the, uh, the, you know, I guess you'd say the second retirement of his number uh, as it gets affixed to uh, Navy Marine Corps uh, Memorial Stadium. Um, also this weekend, Paul Johnson, uh, former Navy head coach, former Navy offensive coordinator. And, you know, really, I, I think the guy that kind of got us on the trajectory to the success that we've enjoyed over the last two decades he'll be back in annapolis he's being he has been inducted into the uh college football hall of fame um and he will be recognized at halftime um you mentioned the class uh reunions i mean th this is quite the weekend um i was just looking at the weather john the, the weather doesn't look great but hopefully that won't keep people away a little bit of a chance to for, for rain, but hopefully by game time, uh, everything will be, uh, will be all right. Or, uh, and if it's not, you know, people will celebrate anyway. <laughs> well, it's one of those kind of perfect storms, right? Like I, the, the weather cycle here and, you know, it almost makes me want to get Ava Marie back on here to do a yeah. little bit of weather <laughs> because, you know, last year she was just like, well, it's going to be another perfect Saturday. And we were in this cycle of like, really crappy weather during the week. And then the weekends were amazing. Well, now it's completely different. The weeks are awesome. In fact, right now it's like idyllic autumnal weather. Yes. I just used idyllic and autumnal. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's like perfect weather right now, but then yeah, Saturday it's supposed to be rainy and, and really, really nasty. And the, and the other part of this that really makes Saturday tough is that it's one of those very rare noon starts at home. Yeah. And I've just never understood that. And I'm sure there's a really good TV reason. And, you know, the Air Force game has way, way, way more important things attached to it than simply the, you know, the game time. But a noon start when it's raining, that's tough. You know, like, I, I, I think I can count on one hand the number of noon starts in the last five to six years, Chris. I mean, can you remember that being prevalent when you when you were a mid? I actually think noon starts were pretty uh, normal for us, to be honest, John, because we weren't yeah. on TV as much as we are now. Um, so I, I want to say that it, it was not uncommon, especially after the time change, to do a, uh, a noon start. Um, I, you, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. You get your Bloody Mary in, you, you know, you're at the field, you're parked by about <laughs> 930 and bloody mary or two you go into the game and you, you know you're have another uh, cocktail after the game and then you're at lunas's for dinner i mean that's a pretty good day so uh you, you know make sure you have a designated driver but i mean that's a that's a fantastic day there in annapolis rain or shine ladies and gentlemen chris cervello just described a, a schedule of events or a sequence of events that he and i have executed probably 20 <laughs> times at this point right, um, right. I think you and I single-handedly keep Lunas's in business. Um, well, a couple of other really special things happening this weekend, and then we're going to let you go because it has been a great, great podcast, and we don't want to let it stretch too long. But, you know, we, we talk about the power of philanthropy with Naval Academy alumni, and, and that has really never been on display more than the ascent of rugby based on the 
the power of their alumni base to raise money, to advocate for their assumption to a, to a varsity sport. And all that happens is they go ahead and, and win the national title and well on their way to uh, probably defending that after having a great showing in Ireland. Well, this Friday night um, is the rugby dinner. Um, you know, and it has, it was at these dinners where, you know, guys like Chris Hoffman and Chris Cleary and Dan Morris and, and a lot of rugby supporters really started the, you know, the, in the interest of getting the sport more on the map, you know, a fundraising and, and philanthropic effort, uh, to get rugby more recognition, to get rugby more support, to get rugby more money. Um, and so that dinner taking place on Friday at the stadium has always been an amazing event. Um, you know, we'll support it uh, from the uh, comms perspective here at the Alumni Association and Foundation. But I wish all of you ruggers the very best of times on Friday. Um, please leave Navy Marine Corps Stadium in one piece because I know when the brown water starts flowing with the principal cyber advisor of the Navy, things get a little nuts. Um, and then secondly and lastly, this is President's Circle Weekend, ladies and gentlemen. So, you know, the, the donors who have reached President's Circle status among them, I believe Chris Cervello is one, you know, flank owners of the Flugel Alumni Center uh, donation efforts. So this is an annual event. I'm so happy to welcome back um, the President's Circle donors uh, to hopefully watch a win over the number 22 ranked Air Force cadets. Chris, before we go out, I'll give you the last word and please give us a little prediction for what we, you think we'll see between Navy and Air Force on the field on Saturday. Well, I think it's going to be a tough uh, tough game for Navy. I I, um, I, I think we, we can win. I, I really do, John. I mean, I think that it will take a Herculean effort by the defense um, who has been trending um, in the right direction, certainly the last couple of weeks. I think the offense has got to get their act together, um, whether it's Ty or whether it's um, Braxton. Um, I think that it, it is going to, they're going to have to run the the triple um, or their Navy's version of the triple um, to near perfection to be able to keep up with, uh, with Air Force. So, you know, hopefully the, uh, the weather bodes uh, in our favor and that it slows down Air Force a little bit and that we use our, our fullbacks and, you know, keep, keep things on the ground and uh, we're, you know, we're able to stay in it. Um, but I think the folks there at Navy Marine Corps are, uh, are going to see a great game. Um, I'm disappointed. I'm not going to be able to make it up, um, but look forward to, uh, to watching it on TV. Well, I'm going to channel Mike James as we go out and say, if you have a guy who's averaging eight yards a carry or, you know, or he's eighth in the country in yards per carry and, and Alex Tetsuka, um, give them the ball more. <laughs> so hopefully in the rain, there's a lot of that. Um, and my prediction is we're going to see something like, I believe it was like 06 or 07 in a driving rainstorm at Navy Marine Corps Stadium against a better Air Force team. Um, we kicked a last second field goal after like, I think a hurricane had come up here, but it was like a tropical storm by the time the game started, but an absolute horrid affair uh, that ended in us getting a game-winning kick that I never thought was going to go in. Um, that was a great, great win in my fondest memory of beating Air Force. Hopefully we can repeat that with a little last-second heartbreaker for the cadets um, from Air Force. A little shout-out to Rob Hubert, class of 96, whose sons play football for Air Force. Rob, 
I hope you lose on Saturday. Chris Cervello, thank you so much for being here. Thank you to our guest, Nico West, um, and uh, also director of Navy Rowing, Rob Friedrich. Thank you to our sponsor, ProMD Health in Annapolis. For Chris Cervello, I am John Schofield. This has been the Sing Second Podcast. We'll see you next week. We're out. Thank you.